0: I ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Hosea. I'll talk a little extra time so you give you time to find it. The book of Hosea. Got to be careful with these prop- prophetic books toward the end of the Old Testament. I tell people all the time, you want to make sure you read them. Because when you get to heaven and they ask you, did you read my book? You want to be able to say Yes. Today is a little different than normal. At the end of our service, we're going to partake in one of the great blessings that the church has been given, the Lord's Supper together. And it's a blessing for us to do that, and so I want to just take a little bit of time to point to the meaning of that, I'm going to do it maybe from an awkward place for uh, some of us, and maybe even myself, so just hold on, and hopefully we will get there as I seek to tell the story that is going on here in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 will be our passage. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this together. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word and help us now as we've already sung praises to You. Help us to read this Word and to seek to understand it and apply it to our hearts and to our lives so that we may not only hear You, but we will follow You. All for Your name we ask in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Every time I read God's Word, I'm astounded by the number of invitations that are found within it. When you read the Psalms, you hear, To come let us worship and bow down and taste and see that the Lord is good. All invitations for us to come to the Lord. Isaiah, come let us reason together. When you read God's word over and over again, the invitation is given for us to come. And of course, all of it is built off the invitation of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who calls us to come to him if we are weary and heavy laden. As has been said before, The Bible is not a book about how we find God. The Bible is not a book about how we find Him. The Bible is a book about how God has found us. How God has come to us and how God has saved us. And because of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, the invitation is open and it is always open to us. Come. Come. How the Lord, in spite of our sin has pursued us, how the Lord, in spite of our constant wandering, has come after us over and over again. The Bible is replete with these truths. And as we come to the book of Hosea, I believe that this book portrays this most dearly for us. And I believe when we understand the story of Hosea, then the invitation becomes all the more powerful and desirable. In other words, this invitation of Hosea chapter 6 isn't just planted in the middle of the air. Come, let let us worship Him. Come, let us return to the Lord. It's not just planted in the middle of the air. It's surrounded by a context that testifies to the greatness, the love, the mercy, and the pursuit of our Savior after His people, His sinful people. And so it's here for us, and it becomes hopefully this morning and hopefully for each and every one of you this invitation becomes an offer you cannot refuse some of us will sit here this afternoon and we will celebrate our independence in america and you'll be asked the question do you own another piece of pie that's an offer we cannot refuse so you know what i mean when i say that today i pray that the call The invitation of Hosea chapter 6 would become for each and every one of us an offer we cannot refuse. When we consider it in its context and who it is and what has been done for us. In order to do this, I've got to tell the story of Hosea a little bit and, and point us to what's happening in our book. So hold on just for a moment. Just give me your attention just for a moment as we walk through this. In Hosea 6, verse 1, the author's giving such an invitation, as I said, that we cannot refuse. Come, let us return to the Lord. In order to understand, in order to understand the power of that invitation, we put it in the context of the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is about Hosea's life and his story. Some, uh, Martin Luther has called this book the second greatest love story in the Bible, second only to the love that Christ has for his people as he comes after. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, God recognizes that his people have been unfaithful. And so often in the scriptures, he calls himself the groom and his people are are the bride. And the bride has been unfaithful to their husband, so they have committed spiritual adultery. And so God comes to Hosea and he says, here's what I want you to do. Your life is going to become a parable for my people. I'm going to teach my people through your life, Hosea, so I want you to take a wife that is a prostitute. I want you to take her, and her name would be Gomer, and Hosea marries Gomer, and quickly they have three children, Jezreel, No Mercy, and Not My People. Those are some rough names for kids. But what happens here is the Lord is testifying, if you're going to be unfaithful to me, then I'm not going to be the faithful one for generations to you. And so here, he tells Hosea, you're going to take a wife who is going to be a prostitute, you're going to have children, and she is going to forsake you. And like Israel, Gomer does just that. Like Israel has forsaken their God, their, their, their uh, one who delivered them, who saved them, who redeemed them, they've forsaken their God. Gomer forsakes Hosea and the scripture says she goes after other lovers one after another over and over again becoming more and more unfaithful as the days go on and as you get to the end of chapter one you start chapter two in chapter two the lord starts to pronounce his wrath because of the unfaithfulness of gomer And the Lord is making it very clear that Gomer's unfaithfulness testifies to God's people's unfaithfulness, Israel's unfaithfulness. And because of their unfaithfulness, God is going to judge them. And most of chapter 2 is God's judgment. Taking away all the things that bring pleasure to her. Taking away all the things that the lovers have bought. All the things that they have provided. Removing all of them. Why? Because God says it's me that has provided everything for you and you give me no glory, you give me no honor, and you do not testify to my goodness. And so you've been unfaithful. You've been unfaithful and God brings judgment. Hosea chapter 2 is full of that judgment. And as you read Hosea chapter 2, it seems like this judgment is just building upon itself. It keeps getting greater and greater. In the context of the Old Testament, the punishment for adultery was stoning to death. And so here, it seems as if it's coming. It seems as if the Lord, as He's taking away all of the pleasures that Gomer has, as He's pronouncing judgment, equating their their adultery here as God's people with Gomer's and pronouncing judgment upon them over and over again, it seems as if the Lord is getting to that place where He's finally going to say, and now I am going to judge you by death because you have been unfaithful. And as you read the passage, if you understand the Scriptures You see, he would be right. He would be just in doing that. And when then you get to verse 14, you think it's time to turn in Hosea chapter 2 because of the unfaithfulness here, because the judgment is ratcheting up over and over again. Finally, in Hosea chapter 2, you get a therefore. Because of your unfaithfulness, because you not have, have not been faithful to me, because you've turned to other gods, you've turned to other men, you've turned to other things, and because of your unfaithfulness, therefore it's time for the punishment, right? But something incredible happens in Hosea chapter two verse 14. Something that boggles my mind. Something that I, I try all the time to, to wrap my head around it. Gomer had been unfaithful just like Israel had been unfaithful. And God had pronounced His judgment on them over and over again. It's coming. He's disciplining them. He's judging them. And death is surely coming for their unfaithfulness. And He says in verse 14, because of your unfaithfulness, because you forgot Me, declares the Lord, He says it in the 13, because you forgot Me, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her. Does everybody hear what's said? At the moment you think judgment of death is coming, God is going to pronounce the final judgment of death. The moment you know it's deserved, the moment you know their unfaithfulness is going to get it, he flips it. He changes the script that we were expecting, and the Lord says, I'm not going to put you to death. I'm going to woo you back to me some of you may not know what the word woo is some of y'all older ones need to let us know on the younger side i'm going to woo you back to myself i'm going to lure you back to the wilderness and instead of pronouncing judgment on you and giving what you rightly deserve i'm going to bring you flowers and i'm going to sing to you the lord says I'm going to bring you flowers and I'm going to welcome you back. I'm going to bring you back to myself. I'm going to bring you back to who I am. And he says in verse 15, and there I will give you vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Here the Lord says, at the moment you deserve judgment and death. Instead, he's going to bring you hope. He's going to bring you hope. Now, there's a, a little place that's mentioned here, the Valley of Achor. And I do believe we need to understand what the Valley of Acor means in order to properly understand this passage. In Joshua, in Joshua chapter, chapter 7, the Valley of Acor is mentioned for the first time. Now, if you remember the story of Joshua, they go into the promised land, this ragtag bunch, really who've been wandering out in the wilderness for 40 years, they go up to the great city of Jericho, and there, the great city of Jericho, they they practice this incredible tactic, this military tactic of marching around it quietly, one time a day for six days, and on the seventh day, seven times, and then they scream real loud, the walls fell down, and they won. It's an incredible tactic. And they win and they conquer Jericho. And God tells them, he says, look, I'm going to provide every single one of your needs in this land. There's not one thing that you will need that I will not give you. So when you go into Jericho, take nothing for yourself. You don't need the wealth of Jericho. You don't need the gold that it offers. I'm taking care of you. I'm the God of the universe. And so God says, don't take a thing for yourself. And so they conquer Jericho, and there in their excitement, they march on to a smaller little town. Now, I'm not going to make fun of any small towns. Anytime I do that, then somebody's definitely from there, and it makes me feel bad. But if Jericho was the big monster city, now they go to the little village of Ai. And they go to the little village of Ai coming fresh off the battle of Jericho, having won and conquered. And when they get to Ai, they go into battle with all confidence. And they get defeated. And many men die. Joshua is distraught. What happened, Lord? What's going on, Lord? Why did you do this to us? We thought you were marching with us. We thought you were going with us. And the Lord says, go check Achan and his tent. There a man named Achan... We find in Joshua chapter 7, verse 22, Joshua sent some messengers and they ran to the tent of Achan, one of the leaders amongst Israel. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. He had dug a hole and put the gold and silver he had stolen underneath the rug of his tent and hid it there. Achan didn't trust that the Lord will take care of every need. Achan was greedy. Achan was not faithful. Achan was disobedient. And he had taken some of the gold and silver from from Jericho and hid it for himself. And because of that, God is saying that is an act of unbelief that we cannot have amongst my people. And they took him out of the tent brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel, and they laid them down before the Lord. In verse 24 of chapter 7, And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan and the son of Zerah and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Now, Joshua executes the judgment of God. God says the wages of sin is death. Disbelief and not trusting in him brings death to us all. And there, because of Achan's sin, they were taken out into the valley and they were put to death because God could not allow that to go on amongst his people. They were put to death in the valley of Achor. It means the valley of trouble. So maybe this morning if we could put that little story here with Hosea chapter 2. You see, Gomer, like Israel, had been unfaithful again. Gomer, like Israel, had been unfaithful like Achan was unfaithful. Not trusted, not believed. And because of what Achan did, great trouble came upon him and his family. And because of what Israel has done, great trouble should come upon them as well. And yet the Lord allures her out into the valley of Acor. And there in that valley of trouble where death should come to her because of her unfaithfulness, just as it should come to Israel because of their unfaithfulness, he lures her out, and instead of bringing stones in judgment, he brings flowers and singing. You see, God takes that valley of trouble and turns it into acres of hope, it says. So... With that in mind, Hosea unashamedly says, come, let us return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. He's the one that should have stoned us and put us to death, but instead he sung to us and brought us flowers. Come, let us return to the Lord. He's the one who should have put us to death and ended us because of our sin and our unfaithfulness, but instead he's allured us out with singing and rejoiced over us, and he said he will return us to the days of our youth. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will also heal us. Listen, come and let us return, for he has struck us down, but he will also bind us up. And though he brings judgment upon us, though he brings discipline to us for, for our sin, he will not divorce us because he is faithful. Come, let us return to the Lord. And then in a glimpse... A picture like the Old Testament does so often, knowing that though the Old Testament was written, that all of the Bible was written with 40 authors over about 1,400 years, we know it's got one author. And that one author is the Holy Spirit who spoke through men and told us of this one story. And that one story is of salvation that's going to come through the Son, Jesus Christ, who's going to redeem us. And here, Hosea is pointing us again to that one story. Though he has torn us, he will heal us. Though he struck us down, he will bind us up. And how will he heal us? How will he bind us up? After two days, he will revive us. And y'all hear what he's saying. On the third day, he will raise us up in a glorious picture of how our lord will heal us and raise us bind us up he points us to a day when one who will come and he will enter into the valley of trouble for us y'all understand what i'm saying he points us to a day when one will come and enter into our very own trouble what we deserve the death and judgment that should have come to us he will enter into that for us on our behalf he goes into our trouble and there there he turns our trouble into hope and what I'm talking about today, brothers and sisters, is the cross. Where Jesus Christ goes and takes our trouble upon himself, the punishment we deserve upon himself, and there he turns it into hope for us. You see, Hosea, looking forward and knowing that's coming, says, Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. In other words, Hosea says there's coming a third day when we will be healed and our trouble will turn to hope. There's coming a day when we'll be allured out, not for judgment and wrath, but for singing and flowers. There's coming a day when the Lord will call us to Himself, and He is so sure of it. He says, it's as sure as the dawn rises up. It's as sure as the sun comes. It's as sure as the sun goes down. It's as sure as the rain comes to the earth. Just as sure as all of that, the Lord will be faithful to heal us, bind us up, and turn our trouble into hope. And He has done that today. I stand before you. That's my timer going off, telling you it's time to stop, but I got a little more to say. <laughs> today, he has done that. We stand on this side of the cross, proclaiming this truth to you Today that though the sin that has held you down and put you in bondage and brought nothing but trouble upon you over and over again, though it is there in your life, the Lord is calling you. He's saying, come on out. He's not coming and saying, I'm going to put you to death. I'm going to stone you. He's coming and saying, I'm going to die for you. And not just, am I going to die for you? We stand by the precious blood of Christ today to be able to say, He has already died for us. Just as sure as the sun comes up and it goes down, our Savior has come and turned our trouble into hope. Do you know that hope today? In the 245-year history of this country, God has been faithful through several times in that time to look upon us with a special refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Those things we call revival. And I am confident today that what we need as a country is the same thing the world needs is revival. And we have a God that we can proclaim that does not bring judgment to us but brings us flowers and singing. And revival, if it's going to start in our country again, is going to start here in this place today. And it's going to start by God's people coming before the cross, bowing down before the one who has sung to them and given them all honor and glory through the Son, Jesus Christ. It's going to come before us as we humble ourselves before him, recognizing that we deserve the valley of Acor, but instead we got acres of hope in Jesus, and we trust in him. So, today, as a people, we want to collectively hear the invitation of the Lord. An invitation that we cannot turn down. That's too good for us, but yet is offered for us. The invitation to come, let us return to the Lord. In just a minute, my brother Scott's gonna come up and lead us in singing Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And here's what I want you to do. This morning, after we sing that we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, you should have gotten the elements when you came in. So they were at the doors. If you did not get those, by all means, if you have trusted in Jesus and you have followed him through baptism and you today want to partake of that Lord's Supper and find yourself at the foot of the cross again, celebrating the allure, singing, and flowers of our Savior that has redeemed us. By all means, if you had not gotten yours yet, ease out there. I didn't tell you that before the sermon. didn't want y'all getting up but find them. But as we sing this song together, contemplate what is calling us to do. Think of the Lord that has redeemed us. and Come, let us return to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God, when we deserve death, when we deserved judgment, When we have brought the trouble upon ourselves, you have turned our trouble into hope through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, help us. Help us today to not forsake this invitation. Help us, God, to to see it as an offer we cannot refuse. Help us to see Jesus today. And hear him say, come, let us return to the Lord, for he is good. He is good.